Major chili news. The Bengals chili sponsor has changed. We're going to spend some time there in addition to focusing, of course, on the NFL draft with topics like Jameer Gibbs, a kick returner, first round scenarios. We're going to dive into a mailbag in today's episode. You are locked on Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake Lisko. He's your host James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals, where you can subscribe to this program on YouTube or follow anywhere you get your podcast. Become a first listener. Become an everydayer. We tease Ryan Callahan. He will be on the show. We had to push it to tomorrow for the recording. So we should be hearing from Callahan on this program tomorrow might be Sunday. We'll see how things shake out. Duke Tobin also addressing the media on Thursday. And we'll have to talk about that as well as we gear up for the draft. Tell them why we don't tell them why real quick. We don't have Brian Callahan. Well, it's because he's working. They they had to take Jameer Gibbs and B. John Robinson to a dinner exclusive top third. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Look at James giving the running back some love. Josh Van, a wide receiver slash returner from South Carolina, however, reportedly is visiting the Bengals. So maybe it's that. But we knew that it was the middle of his workday. He has work to do, which is probably good news for Bengals fans, right? Brian Callahan grinding before the draft and offseason programs going on as well. So, you know, relatively busy time of year for the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll talk to him in the near future. Still planned, still something that we're going to do. Instead, today we get big chili news, James. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to have a, a little chili draft. Skyline Chili taking over as the official chili of the Cincinnati Bengals. Replacing Gold Star Chili, longtime partner with the Bengals. 21 yeah. years for Gold Star. Great run there. Skyline certainly more well-known, right, I would say has a greater chunk of the market share in Cincinnati, and now they strike the deal with the Bengals. And they are also in Great American, so I assume that's both professional major league teams in Cincinnati now. I guess I don't know about MLS. Um, No, they have MLS. They also have uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats as well. So, yeah, good for Skyline. And I know a lot of people are excited. Here's what I'll say in the words of Chad Johnson, locked on Bengals is open. Cincinnati chili places, we are open. So if Skyline wants to get on the Bengals train even more, open. Gold Star, if you want to counterpunch, Locked on Bengals is open. And if you're mad because we didn't mention you, Camp Camp Washington? Oh. Is, it, is oh. that Ca- Camp Washington? Washington yeah. Blue Ash Chili, Price Hill Chili. Of course, all the local locals, of course we're open. I, I would love that. I, I'm not trying to downplay that. I just – when you're talking about this corporate battle between mm-hmm. Skyline and Gold Star, you know, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to plant the FOMO for all the brands out there that are going to want to get a piece of this pie. chili eater. Equal yeah. opportunity, my man. Yeah, let's get into some football topics. We'll circle back to Skyline to end the show for anybody who is not interested in chili talk. We'll get to the football first. The chili stuff is at my heart, and I'm hungry. We're both always hungry when we record this show, so we'll save it to the end so we can go eat. Right after we finish recording, let's start with some Jameer Gibbs discussion, James. We've talked 
in depth and less depth in passing about Jameer Gibbs. And Randy R. at Biter Snowdog asked, would Jameer Gibbs work in the offense? And he asked me specifically, I, I think about this because I wasn't as high on him or people think I'm not very high on him if they watched you know, the film review. Uh, but he seems perfect to bring the explosiveness the Bengals have been lacking. And James, I know you think, and and perhaps the Bengals think that he fits them in some very specific ways that can make their offense more difficult to defend. For sure. I mean, you're talking about, imagine if Joe Mixon, he caught 60-something passes last year, right? 60 passes. How many of those were checkdowns? Imagine if it felt like he could take any of those checkdowns at any moment for huge plays. Not eight yards, 10 yards, but 30 yards, 40 yards. The same way you feel when Jamar Chase catches a screen or a seven-yard slant, or something of that nature. That's that's where he fits. Is It's not like you're going to be able to give Jameer Gibbs that type of high-end attention that you give these receivers. And so if he's matched up one-on-one, he's more than likely going to win. And he's not – and we don't have the full testing profile, which I think prevents him from being – rising up boards even more. But in a pass-first offense like the Bengals, you're ready for take, Jake. He's one of the, the instant impact guys in this draft. Like there, I know we got a question about, do you want instant impact? Do you want long-term? How much will they contribute? The Super Bowl window, all of those things. I think Jameer Gibbs has an instant impact, much like we've seen out of some of these running backs that have fallen to the second round. It's just different for, for Gibbs because this is a pass-first offense. So it might not be between the tackles where he makes a huge impact, but I think he would make an impact and make defenses have to worry about him. And I think he would look good in that number zero. Side note, first player in Bengals history to wear zero. I think he'd look pretty good if he went that route. Yeah, the, the big calling card for Jameer Gibbs is explosion and speed. And, and receiving ability, sorry. Receiving ability, a huge part of that. Natural receiver transitions from receiver to runner really, really quickly, really, really smoothly. Hits his top speed. Has incredible short area burst. And that is in and of itself a weapon. Like you said, if you take a check down and you threaten an explosive off a check down, that is adding something that they don't really have. Like Joe Mixon is a good receiving back. Don't get me wrong about that. He he is a good receiving back. He he was roughly average. I think uh, Paul Daner Jr. over at the Athletic put together a, a chart with the uh, running backs that had you know 60, 70 plus targets in the NFL. He's roughly average in terms of yards per catch on uh, short targets or targets behind the line of scrimmage. Sorry, let's start with targets behind the line of scrimmage. He averaged nearly ten yards after catch, which is pretty good. On targets in the short area of the field, he averaged 5.8 yards after the catch. So it's not like he was a bad receiver, but he doesn't have the track speed that Jameer Gibbs would offer, and and that's a big difference. I don't think he I don't think he's quite as smooth transitioning from receiver to runner either. I think there's a little bit more gather with with him with with Joe Mixon, and so that burst and and that explosion with Gibbs. I think it's very threatening. You get him on the perimeter. Again, you have that home run threat every time he touches a ball, which mm-hmm. Joe Mixon just doesn't quite do at this point, which isn't to say, again, that he's a bad receiving back. He's actually pretty good at it. As the Bengals finally used him in a greater capacity, they started checking down a lot more this year as defenses play more too high. And that's 
one of the ways Gibbs helps you answer. So we talked about like Darnell Washington is this tight end answer to too high. You want to stay too high, we're going to attach Darnell Washington and you have to deal with him as a mismatch tight end. You have to deal with him as essentially an extra tackle, but an extra tackle who runs a four or five something, right? And so mm-hmm. that's one way you can answer the two high safeties. Another way is you put a guy that linebacker simply cannot run with underneath mm-hmm. and you say, we're going to get the ball to Gibbs and he's going to make your linebackers, linebackers angle bad and you're going to give up 15 yards on a check down to the flat. And mm-hmm. so that's the, the fit. The, the part where he doesn't fit and maybe where people think I'm, I'm not as high on Gibbs is that Alabama had a lot designed for him. So the Bengals would have to incorporate some of that with Jameer Gibbs. He's not an every down back right now. His size is an issue insofar as how he's going to handle running between the tackles. Almost never ran between the tackles at Alabama. Uh, so if you want to run him in the running game, you got to get him to the perimeter. How predictable is that? We talked about Joe Mixon versus Samaj P. Ryan and tipping plays last year, and that was a big topic early in the season. You might remember when the offense wasn't going yet. And he's much more of a zone back than than a gap downhill, you know, the, the kind of game that the Bengals have transitioned to in their running game. So there are some things that would have to be different for him, and he's a sub-package player, not an every-down player right now. But – that upside that you talk about, that's where the fit is in terms of adding an element that they don't currently have that can threaten other teams. Now, is that worth a first-round pick? Because that's where you probably have to take him. That's the big question. That's what it they is. have to figure out. It, and he won't be there at 60. Dewan Jones has a better chance to be there at 60 than Jameer Gibbs. Just we, We've talked about this. The running back class, there, there's a lot of – different kind of guys, but I just, I think he's clearly one of the the big three, so to speak, three guys that are going to go. And really it's a big two, I think going in the top 40. I don't think Zach Charbonnet is going to necessarily be in consideration in the top 40, even high end. And so do you trust him as a pass protector? You mentioned his size. He's just under 200 pounds. If he's already a part-time player, is it 60% of the time on the field or is it 40%? Because he's a heck of a weapon. But if it's 40%, that's tough. If you think you can get him to 60%, well, then that's Joe Mixon. And I think you feel comfortable there, especially in this offense that throws it all around. So that's uh, that's certainly a dilemma, and we should continue the draft conversation coming up next. But today's show is brought to you by Built Bars. And maybe Jameer Gibbs hovering around that 200 pounds, well, he needs to get the number one protein bar on the planet for a post-workout protein punch. Built.com, by the way, is, well, announcing something very, very special. And I can't reveal all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you're not going to want to miss. And if you're new to Locked on Bengals and you haven't heard us talk about Built Bars before, Built Bars are the number one protein bar on the planet, covered in 100% chocolate, low sugar, low calories, a ton of protein. Mark your calendars. And head to built.com on Saturday, April 22nd, this Saturday, to be one of the first to discover their announcement, what all of the hype is about. We can't wait for you to check it out. And if you want to make your order today, just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. That's very exciting stuff. I'm excited to see what's going on there. Okay, James, let's continue. Maybe they signed and officially endorsed Jameer Gibbs. Oh, no, wait, that would be me at 28. Okay, go ahead. I'm just. I feel like we need that. um, 
That Mean and Girls I, meme. Stop trying to make Jameer Gibbs happen. Yeah, that let, isn't let, going to happen. Let, let me let me be honest here. So, twenty eight is tough, but most of the guys we talk about at twenty eight, I don't think will have the impact that Gibbs would have right now, and add a whole nother wrinkle and give Burrow this extra chess piece. And so that's the the really enticing, tempting part, especially if they think he can pass block, which is a question mark, because we don't know that. And and so that's that's the attraction to me. Now, in a perfect world, if the right guy isn't there, they're able to move down, add a pick, get Gibbs at 35. I also don't love the idea of waiting around all night Thursday and no pick happening. So we will see. But I, I don't think Gibbs will be in my final, like, three when it comes to predicting what the Bengals do at 28, just to be clear for our listeners. Yeah. And and the thing about his pass walking, really quick note there, is that you see him go through the mental part of it on tape. Whereas, like, a guy like Israel Abanacanda, if you're talking about home run threats in the draft, who also doesn't have the receiving ability of Gibbs, you don't see him go through the, go through it mentally on tape. If he's releasing, he's just releasing. There's no check release with him. You see Gibbs routinely working through visual progression, trying to figure out where he needs to go. Like the the knowledge, the the process is there with Gibbs, which gives you, I think, a little bit more to project going forward for him than somebody who just hasn't done it and like just isn't a passing down back at all, which Abanacanda is like off the field for Pitt by contrast, a lot of the time on passing downs. So Abanacanda, fall of day three. Gibbs at 28, Abanacanda round five. Let's let us let us roll out the best RB duo in the league. What do you Just think? Nobody who pass blocks. Hey, Zeke is still out there. If you're really worried about that, he is still out there. Let's uh, talk about some other positions here. Yeah, James. Let's, do it. Let, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball here for a moment. Flyer fanatic, loud fan on Twitter. Would like to know, what do you think the Bengals' plan is for replacing Tyler Boyd draft this year, free agency draft next year, replacement already on the roster? And this is a topic of conversation mm-hmm. in a draft that is down at receiver and the Bengals have seven picks. And those are the confounding factors for me. Yeah, I think it's down at receiver. There are some good slot receivers. But does the right one fall? Does the board fall to them? And I think this is something they've been in on. The Jamar Chase draft, I think they were open to taking a second receiver. It just didn't work. Last year, I think they wanted a receiver, and it just didn't fall their way. This year, seven picks, given the depth, given how bad this receiver class is. I love receivers, and you got me talking about a running back in round one, and that's the the takiest thing I think I've dropped. I, I think it's it's tough. So when you look at a Boyd replacement, it's part of the reason why I'm so high on Dalton Kincaid. And if he's there at 28, I would do a little gritty up to the podium and teach Roger Goodell how to do it because that's what would be happening a lot at Paycor Stadium if you added a, a dynamic pass catcher like that. In my eyes, I think it would completely transform things, and then that would be your Tyler Boyd insurance because he can be that long-term. That said, I, I think that there's a very real possibility that they add some type of late-day three receiver. They've looked at a decent amount of them but is that Tyler Boyd's replacement necessarily? No, that might just be a special teamer. That, like you mentioned, that might be a return guy. That might be a fringe roster guy. And so I don't know if they're going to be able to add Tyler Boyd's replacement in this draft. And if they don't do that, 
Well, the good news is they're a free agency destination. The good news is next year's wide receiver class will certainly be better. And I haven't even looked at it. I would just assume it would be better. And and the Bengals could go that route as well. Or maybe they sign Boyd to a cheap deal. And that's the thing that we don't see coming. And I think that might be the least likely. But there is a chance of that, I would say. Yeah. And if you're looking in the mid rounds, which is where this starts to become a possibility, barring an unforeseen fall for a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, there, oh my god there are some guys that that stand out from a profile perspective that are similar in some ways to to tyler boyd and one of them that i don't think we've mentioned his name a single time is and i'm probably going to mess up his name because we haven't mentioned it a single time Keishon bout boot the lsu wide receiver booty booty okay it's Not booty all right great uh Here's why it's like Tyler Boyd, right? Tyler Boyd didn't test like a great athlete. Booty didn't test like a great athlete, but was very productive, is an early declare, and is 21 years old. Yep. And Tyler Boyd coming out very young. Think about T. Higgins, didn't test great, very young. And and so you, we, we've seen this trend for wide receivers where when they're really young coming out, if they don't test great, it's not necessarily a, as big of a deal as it could otherwise be like, obviously you want them to test really well as well, but booty was a guy that like, before we really got into the draft was talked about as a day, you know, day two, early day two mm-hmm. kind of guy. And, and I think in some places was considered a day one prospect, but you know, before this whole, th- before the whole draft season started and Parker Washington from Penn state, also 21 years old has an injury, very productive, uh, both of those guys, I think, could hypothetically fit the, the mid-round slot target. I agree. I agree. I, I'm glad you brought up Keishon Booty because I think he goes under the radar partially because we just haven't covered receiver much. But he's very interesting because he was considered the dude, the next LSU star receiver in this long line now where you look at Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, and then you fast forward and you got, and I'm going to be missing guys, by the way, of course, but then you have Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And it was like, oh, well, he's going to be the next guy. And it just, it didn't come together for a bunch of reasons. And you can look at quarterback play and a bunch of stuff. Is that someone at 21 that the Bengals would look at and say, well, we don't need you this year to be a huge contributor. But, man, we'd be willing to bet that we can get you in our culture, in our system, and and make that work to where you can be the, the next guy or a Parker Washington. You're right. I, I think that there's, there's some intriguing guys in this draft, and I think they're open to receiver, and they should be. That receiver room is shallow. I know it's got a ton of talent at the top, but it is shallow, and it gets the depth gets tested really quick, and it was last year, and we saw it in the AFC title game. Could you nab one of these guys in the mid-rounds? Could one of them fall? I, I think they could. So I, w- what would the earliest be realistically that they take a receiver? I, I feel like it would be round three if, if someone really, really fell. But more than likely, if they take one, it'll be on day three. And, you know, if Jackson Smith and Jigba falls to 28, well, hell froze over and they made the pick. But I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it would be pretty darn surprising to it see would. a Jigba available at 28. If that does happen, though, I mean, you, you have to believe oh. the Bengals would be strongly considering, like, checks I mean, pretty much every box that, that, they, that they would be after. What, so. if, 
if that happened, we would be having a different conversation about Boyd. I think. Like I, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I think you. I think you would have to consider, and you're referring to potentially a trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and not that you'd have to, but man, you just have this super San rookie to put in the slot. You don't want to take him off the field, you know. So I, I think that they would go that route. But we still have plenty to do mailbag wise, and and maybe I'll actually read one of these questions. It's just not timed out, right, Jake? We're out of rhythm today, but we'll continue the the mailbag coming up next. I think the rhythm's great, but go ahead. No, I just rhythm. We usually try to alternate, and I'm making you ask all the questions, which is fine with me. It doesn't bother me at all. But it's just like, all right. Anyways, man, we do have a lot of Boyd questions in here. But that said, um, and we we kind of answered this as far as kick returner goes. Who day uh, at ooh what is this at Bunny underscore ninety one? Maybe this is a big Trey Hendrickson fan. Do the Bengals look to add a kick returner in the later rounds? If so, who stands out to you? Just to be clear, Brandon Wilson's still on the roster. Trent Taylor, they re-signed to a one-year deal. Chris Evans still on the roster. Travion Williams still on the roster. So those are the guys that either fielded kicks or, in Wilson's case, could field kicks and did in the past. And then, obviously, Taylor fields punts. Yeah, I think that they've got guys now if they need them, but they are kicking the tires on late-round guys. Uh, another receiver, by the way, that we should have mentioned is the Princeton, Andre Ayasivas, or Ayasivas, or, or however his last name happens to be pronounced. But anyway, they're doing work on some guys that are late-round potential return options. Josh Van, the guy we mentioned earlier, was a returner. Mm-hmm. And that's one that is, is worth mentioning. But there are a few return options. Most of them receiver. If Gibbs is a guy, he has some return experience at Alabama as well. So I would not be surprised. I kind of expect them, based on the work they've done, to try to add a returner at some point here. At the same time, the NFL doesn't want people returning kicks. The rule suggestions suggest that the NFL doesn't want people returning punts with the, the touchback rule proposals for, for punt returns that a touchback will go out to the 25 instead of the 20 on punts. I don't know if that was ratified by the NFL. Um, but, you know, the, the return game is continually getting diminished. So, you know, how important is it to the Bengals? How important is it to Darren Simmons when you have some guys on the roster with some experience, at least Travion Williams and, and Trent Taylor, they were, they were fine with them all year last year. Uh, so I, I wonder how much it'll be prioritized, but it is something where they seem to be kicking the tires a little bit around the later part of the draft. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see returner only type picks where it's like, ah, oh, it's a burner and the like we'll, Trey Tuckers. We'll, we'll try to teach Turner. Uh, I, yeah, I, no, I mean, do you think he can run a go route and track the ball? If so, then that changes things, right? Or do you think he can develop into the, the shifty slot guy? But yeah, he could be the returner. I think he he's interesting. And it's different when you're talking sixth, seventh round. He met with every team, by the way. Really? Yeah, the, the Bearcats receiver. So that, that part is interesting. There's definitely interest there. Um, that said, I think that running back would be the sneaky one here. Because the more I look at it, let's say they don't get Robinson and Gibbs and they take your guy, Roshan Johnson, at 92. A lot of people are celebrating, right? And I think it would be a good pick. I also want some speed. 
can you find a running back that can return some punts or kicks and in, in helping that special teams room while also helping in the backfield later in the draft? My guy, Deuce Vaughn, can he do it? I don't know. Maybe. You know, is that a guy that can do it? And I don't think they're necessarily going to draft him because he's half of my height. But, you know, that's uh, that's certainly something that would be interesting. So don't sleep on the running back spot either. Or maybe there's a corner out there, back end of the draft corner, that they're like, hey, he could help in, in the return game as well. So there's some other spots. I just don't want to mention receiver and pivot it to that when there could be a, a guy or two that they're looking that's under the radar or that could help them in a, a variety of different roles. Should mention a couple of running backs then. That would fit that mold. Uh, A-Chain from A&M. Kenny McIntosh yes. from Georgia. Keaton Mitchell yep. did they not return, him. but you would think he could return with the speed that he has. Can he develop that part of the game? You would think that if he was going to do it, he would have done it. Uh, would have done it A-Chain's in interesting. A-Chain's A-Chain interesting. Has I know speed. you said him, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- those are the guys at running back, just, just quickly skimming through uh, The Beast, the Dane Brugler draft guide, which has 308 pages of ridiculously in-depth information. Marvin Mims, a wide receiver, just talking about the receivers again. Jaden Reed, uh, who's a, another slot target, by the way. Hmm. N- Nate da- Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell from Houston, Ooh. slot target. Has re- return experience. Michael Wilson, who did they – am I remembering correctly that they met with Michael Wilson? Did I make that up? I might have made that up. Michael Wilson from Stanford, however, also has returnability. So Charlie Jones, Purdue, there's a lot of guys. Trey Tucker, we talked about a lot of guys in this draft. At receiver in particular is, is really what stands out to me, have a lot of receiving experience. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see where they go there. One more before we get the skyline. I know we have the, the Cincinnati Chili question of the day. But before that, at Jarno Sawo, S-A-W-O on Twitter, asking, and I, I might have butchered his name. I think I did, but that's okay. Um, sorry, man, if I did. First round, which one do you go with? Offensive playmaker, defensive playmaker, trenches. So I will, I will make the picks here of the Great. player because it's so general. Offensive playmaker, we will do both tight ends, all right, what, to, to each their own. Let's say Kincaid and Mayer are both there. Defensive playmaker, let's go with Forbes, Emmanuel Forbes, the corner. And trenches, Dewan Jones, the right tackle from Ohio State, where I, I think a lot of, of listeners, a lot of Bengals fans are just comfortable, like you said, taking him at 28. And I'm not sure the Bengals or the NFL is, but I, I, I think that, that that would be interesting. So the two tight ends, Forbes and Jones, who you take it? Yeah, the issue with Forbes, or sorry, the issue with Jones is that you can probably just get him later. Are, are the vibes and he didn't test and he is an outlier for weight and we've seen it work and in a lot of ways i see a lot of orlando brown in his game but that's not the pick for me there just because i think you can get him later and then it's emmanuel forbes or either of the top two tight ends in the draft and if you love emmanuel forbes like our friend Joe Goodberry, who we spent a lot of time with yesterday, if you missed that episode, talking about a bunch of different options in the first round, including Emmanuel Forbes, then he's just the best prospect. Could be just the best prospect for you, right? And then that's a pick, and, and that's easy. You're walking away. You're happy. He is a playmaker on defense. The offensive weapons, though, for a team like the Bengals, 
get pretty darn tantalizing. And, and then the debate is depth at corner in the draft, really strong corner draft, depth at tight end in the first two mm-hmm. rounds of the draft, really strong early tight end draft. It comes down to me between those two guys, which has a higher grade, period. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say if you think that Emmanuel Forbes is straight up the better prospect, you pick Emmanuel Forbes. If you, if you think Kincaid or Mayer is straight up the better prospect, you pick one of them. Because to me, between those two buckets of guys, the tight ends and, and Forbes, you can you can do a toss-up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll rank them. I'll just rank all four. Shocker here. Dalton Kincaid won for me. This is going to surprise some, and it's going to make Cincinnatians mad, I think. Two would be Emmanuel Forbes. Three, Michael Mayer. For DeLon Jones in that order. And I, I think Jones, you're right. I would love the right tackle. I to me, he's in that Jameer Gibbs bucket, whether people want to admit it or not, where it's more like a trade down scenario if they take him with their first pick of the draft, not necessarily a contender, a full on contender or, or number one contender for that twenty eighth pick. But Dalton Kincaid in this offense, I just I can't shake it. And I don't think he'll make it there necessarily but if he does i'd be pretty excited about that and then emmanuel forbes it's close between him and mayor mayor's clean forbes is clean the only concern is his weight a little bit maybe we'll uh we'll get him some skyline add on a few lbs with some built bars and we'll be good to go you can definitely definitely accomplish those goals with the skyline plus built bar diet if that is a goal uh let's quickly because I really wanted to do this. John Sheeran and many others had Skyline-related inquiries. John suggested we do a Skyline chili menu item draft, James. Let's just go three rounds here. Okay. My, my, my board goes three players deep, and uh, then I'm trading out. That's or, fine. Or just aborting my picks. I, I only you, care about three items here. You get the first pick. Go ahead. Three-way. Classic. Chilito. That's your thing, right? You look it, it is. Cholitos are amazing. And I just, gave you co- I, I just gave you Coney's. I could take it or leave it with the spaghetti. doesn't matter. You could get I, sour cream too. I could take it or leave it. I'm passing on Coney's. You're welcome. This is a shocker of the draft. I'm passing on Coney's because for me, the, the hot dog is just an unnecessary part oh, of what's in the bun. And that's for me, right. That's the right. chili cheese sandwich – is is number two for me. I love the chili cheese sandwich. There's just more salt in the hot dog than I need. There's more process than I need. And it's already, you know, there's already a lot going on in terms of salt and whatnot in, in Skyline. So for me, that chili cheese sandwich is, is a lovely balance of the saltiness of the cheese and that delicious chili. I get Coney's and Chili's. Dude, this is like, what is this like? Is this like Darnell Wright falling to 28 and, and then at, at 60, Sam Laporta just staring at you and you're like, oh my God, is this like Kalijah Kansi at 28 and then Jameer Gibbs at 60? I don't know what it's like, but I'll take Coney's and yes, extreme cheese on the side because sometimes I like to have some extreme cheese in my oh. life. Sometimes I don't. Have you so had their extreme cheese? You, you traded for an extra pick. To get yourself an extra item here in the sandwich round, the the extreme cheese, extra bonus pick for James. That's all right. I wasn't going to pick that next. Oh, th- I didn't think that was a pick. I just oh, that's a bonus pick. That's a is bonus it? Pick. Oh, well, then I'll just go with cheese conies. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you a hard time. This right, is a win-win. This is a win-win, right? Like I'm thrilled with my take. Yeah, and you're Look thrilled with your take home. Everybody's yeah. happy. Uh, my number three. 
is uh, the chili cheese fries. Uh, I'm a fan of chili cheese fries in general. And I like Skyline's chili cheese fries. They're better fresh, of course. I remember when I ate a lot of them for the first time, it was the 2006 World Cup right after I graduated high school. And we, me, me and my buddy would run out to Skyline during halftime of World Cup games, get chili cheese fries and bring them back. By the time we got back to the house, they were a little bit soggy. Still mm. delicious, but better fresh. Yeah, that's fine. It, it, it balances well because I grew up a cheese fry fan. Oh. And I love the chili cheese fries. You're right. They get soggy. I, I have cheese fries. And then you, you put a little ketchup on the side, throw some hot sauce in that ketchup. Boom. So... Yeah, so my three, I feel really good, man. I look. Skyline's deep. We could go deep and we would be thrilled. We don't oh, even have no, to get more. to the Greek salad, man. Uh, I mean, three-way potato is, yep. is, is up there. I mean, yep. I was I was in on that. Uh, Coney Bowl is up there. Coney Bowl, you like those too. hot dogs, huh? Oh, man. I mean, chili, hot dog, cheese. Uh, it's classic. It's. I'm going to get be- flamed for passing on the Coney. And it's going to be at Paycor Stadium this year, mm. which, by the way, we just spent like six minutes on this or whatever it is. Call us. At, at Locked On Bengals listeners, make sure Skyline knows that we, we gave them some love. So maybe they'll give us some love back. Just saying, Skyline, this is the easiest sell for me in my life. When I was a kid living in Cincinnati, we went to Skyline every Friday. Every Friday for, for like 18 years. You know how many trips to Skyline that is? And then when I started driving, you know how many more trips to Skyline that was? A lot. A lot. And I we think, will make many more. I think I did the math more. once, and it was like in the thousands. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Bengals. We'll be back in the near future with either Duke Tobin's pre-draft presser and or Brian Callahan comments on the offensive approach or his perspective of the offensive approach heading into the 2023 NFL Draft. Thanks for all your questions. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lockdown Bengals. Until next time, hootay and have a good one.